0: That thief who lived in that Buddhist monastery thousands of years ago in ancient Japan needed the lessons that the monastery teacher had to teach more than his fellow students needed the lessons. And the teacher teacher was wise enough to understand, or rather, maybe, the teacher was wise enough to understand that the other students needed a different lesson than the thief did. Sometimes, you see, we're so busy seeing the flaws in others that we fail to see the things that we need to learn. That rush to judgment is a recurring theme in many religions, including the Christian religion where people are taught, judge not lest ye be judged, and don't see the speck in another person's eye before you realize that there's a log in yours. Sometimes we're too busy looking at that speck to understand that there's something in our own eye. And the teacher in that monastery all those years ago in Japan understood that most of his students needed to understand the art of hospitality better. They needed to be stretched to understand that it was only in community that their fellow student was going to learn how not to steal. It was only in community that their fellow student was going to learn how to do the tough work of showing up every day to do the work that needed to be done, to do the meditation that needed to be done, to do the lessons that needed to be done, and to survive on the meager amounts of food that were prepared for him. You see, surviving on those small meals was part of the lesson plan at that monastery, and he needed to learn it somehow. And it was only in community that he was going to be able to do that. He needed the support of his fellow students to be able to learn the lessons that needed to be learned. And they needed the support of a community in order to expand their hearts, in order to learn that art, that art of hospitality. You see, none of us is perfect. Not a single one of us is a perfect person. And we come into any religious community knowing this. In some religious communities, our imperfection is the focus again and again. We, we are told, look at it and we are, it's poked and prodded and we are made to feel bad because of it. In Unitarian Universalist religious communities, we hope that we turn that model on its head. We hope that here everyone can be seen for the beauty that they bring for the wholeness that they bring, for the gifts and the skills and the ministry that they bring to the community and not for the imperfections and the flaws. You see, we come into religious community seeking acceptance for all of who we are and not just part of who we are. And that, that you see, that acceptance for all of who we are, that is what many people have taken to calling radical hospitality. Father Daniel Holman and Lonnie Pratt, in their book, Radical Hospitality, write, when we speak about hospitality, we are always addressing issues of inclusion and exclusion. Our entire culture, you see, excludes many people. Holman and Pratt assert that each of us makes choices every day about who will and who will not be included in our lives. Each of us makes choices every day in every situation. Will this new person that I have met be someone that I am willing to include in my lives? Will this community of people be someone whose struggle and whose vision I am willing to make room for in my lives? We make those choices every day. The students in the monastery that night in the kitchen, signing their petition, thought that they had made a choice. They thought they had made a choice that this thief, this fellow student of theirs who was so hungry that he felt the only option for him was sneaking down into the kitchen to steal food at night. He was someone that they were willing to exclude from their lives. And Bon Kei, their wise Zen teacher, challenged them on that. He challenged them and said, he needs you. And underneath what he was saying, he didn't say it out loud, he was saying, and you need him too. He challenged that group of students to expand their circle of inclusion by one more. And they, being good students, took him up on that challenge. We, too, need to be constantly challenged to expand our circle of inclusion. How do we do that? How do we practice hospitality without conditions? It's hard sometimes because we meet people and they rub us the wrong way sometimes. And it's hard to say, okay, I'm going to make the choice to find a way to include you in my lives. And that's why we need a community To help us do that. We can't make those decisions to practice the art of radical hospitality by ourselves wandering out in the universe. We need a community to say this is a value that we share and we'll help you. And when you are, when you are tempted to exclude someone, when you are tempted to cast someone out of your circle of inclusion, we'll step up and challenge you we'll step up and say, think again about that because they need you and you need them. We include people in this community on Sunday morning. We hopefully greet people warmly in our worship. And worship in this community, I believe, needs to be available to all people walk through our doors all people no matter what your belief is no matter what your path is no matter what your need is right now or what your needs will be next week our worship needs to be a place where you can come and and be part of a community and and have those needs addressed have the parts that hurt soothed have the parts that feel good magnified worship in any religious community needs not to be a special club And we work hard to make it that way, to make it welcoming, to make it something without insider language and customs, things that you need a special code, you know, the decoder ring of Unitarian Universalism to figure out. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget and we say things, we use code words that exclude people. And as a community, our job is to challenge each other to open our circle of inclusion by not using those things, by not doing those things. And while we share some things with one another, we invite you to share the life-changing moments of joy and sorrow here in worship together. That's not really the best setting for getting to know one another. Worship is not necessarily a setting for discussion or debate. It's not necessarily a setting for questions and answers. It's not a setting for exploring how we might best support one another, how we might best include one another, how we might best walk with one another down the myriad spiritual paths that are present in this religious community. The support starts happening after we sing that final hymn, after we go out into the coffee hour and grab our mugs of tea and coffee and start to talk with one another. That's when the support happens, when the getting to know each other happens, when the relationships start happening, when we start to talk one another, when we meet each other one to one, As equals, as people walking together on the spiritual journey. And so, worship, I love it. I wouldn't be a minister if I wouldn't. It's a wonderful and necessary thing. It feeds us and inspires us and energizes us. But it doesn't create intimacy in a religious community. And intimacy is a necessary part of any community. Think about that word for a moment, intimacy. And think about the things that might come up when you're thinking about people with whom you share intimacy, loved ones, friends, family, parents, children, spouses. What are words that come up for you? Closeness, friendship, trust, bonding liking and loving. This is the work of intimacy. But so is vulnerability, opening ourselves, showing those soft tender parts of ourselves to another. That's the work of intimacy also. And sometimes when we make ourselves vulnerable, we're hurt more. Sometimes we're betrayed by someone with whom we have entered into intimacy. And so reconciliation, that that deep spiritual work of coming back into relationship with someone who has hurt us or with or whom we have hurt. Reconciliation is also the work of intimacy. And intimacy, in all of those forms, intimacy is a cornerstone of healthy relationships. And if we can't build healthy relationships here in this community of faith, then I'm not sure where in our lives we can build healthy relationships. We must, you see, develop real relationships with one another if we hope to change and grow as a result of being together. And if we didn't want to change and grow if we wanted everything to remain exactly the way it was we could shut ourselves off in a room by ourselves and never leave and the world would change and grow around us and we would sit in a room but we're here we're out of the room and so we need to accept that truth that change and growth is part of who we are and if we hope to do it if we hope to make it positive change and positive growth we need to develop relationships with others. Unitarian Universalism, this free religious faith, depends on that give and take that comes with relationship. To do this religion well, we must interact with people who are different from us. We must seek to expand our circles of inclusion to include people who are not the same as us, people who think differently from us, people who believe differently from us. To do our religion well, we must do that. To do our religion well, we must also gather around us groups with whom we have something in common as well, people with whom we are sharing some part of our spiritual journey so that we might have a group of people to whom we can be accountable in our own individual spiritual journeys and growth. To do this religion well, we must have a community of celebration and support, a community of challenge and learning, a community of dialogue, a community of fellow travelers on our chosen path, whatever that chosen path is at any given moment. And that community of fellow travelers includes this community of people who come together as worship, to worship together. But it also must include smaller groups, groups with whom we can develop real relationships, real intimacy. Think of some time in your life when your life was changed by being part of a community. When you got the support that you needed in a time of trouble and hurt, when you got to celebrate the way you really felt you ought to in some time of joy, when no matter what else was going on in your life, you had people who came around you who you know accepted you for exactly who you were. Lisa was courageous enough to share one of those moments. And like many of the moments you are pros- probably thinking about, that, that moment happened in a small group. It happened here in this fellowship, and for that I am profoundly grateful. Lisa expressed her gratitude earlier. But it happened in a women's group that came together in this fellowship to support one another, to be with one another, to challenge one another, to develop real relationships with one another, to be with one another in the wholeness that is only possible when we meet one another one to one. I know that some of us have been changed in large groups, too. If there were a 100 people in that group, though, there were probably us only a small number of them in that 100 who were directly involved in the part that changed your life. Because large groups need smaller groups to be part of them too. I know that my life has been changed by being part of small groups. My life was changed by being part of small close groups in which intimacy and relationships were developed long before I was even a Unitarian Universalist. In fact, I have being a Unitarian Universalist to thank. Uh, I have a small group to thank for me even being a Unitarian Universalist in the first place. Years ago when I was a new graduate student in the cell biology program at Duke I fell in with a group of friends and we developed something we called the Sunday Night Dinner Club. The Sunday Night Dinner Club was a small group ministry though we didn't know it at the time. We, had, we didn't have those words to put on it. We didn't know that that's what we were doing for one another. Every Sunday we would come together at someone else's house and there were about eight of us in the group and so every eight weeks it was your turn to host people at your house. The host of of the Sunday night dinner club would plan a menu and buy all the ingredients. And on Sunday afternoon everyone else would show up with a bottle of red wine and we would start to cook. Together. We would cook together and we would talk together. We would eat together and we would talk together. And after we were eating we'd wash the dishes together and we would talk together and then we'd sit around in the living room and continue to talk often into the wee hours of the morning together building relationships eight friends sharing our lives with one another supporting each other if someone wasn't there we knew why they weren't there and if we didn't know why they weren't there we called them up and made sure we found out. When some of us were struggling with our chosen career paths, we had a group of people who could support us in that struggle, who, could, who knew us well enough to hear the things that we were having to say and to guide us to help us see the ways in which we were being pulled and called, because we'd spent all those many hours, hours and hours each week talking to one another and guiding one another and, and being in relationship with one another. Sometimes new people came to our Sunday night dinner club and we expanded that circle one by one. And in fact, the Sunday night dinner club spawned other Sunday night dinner clubs because it got too big to form real relationships and so the new people formed their own and that was great with us and soon all over the cell biology and biochemistry departments of Duke University there were graduate students supporting one another and helping one another and forming relationships with one another. We were forming a congregation right there but we were all cell biologists and biochemists and we didn't have the language that we have in religious community to put around that. It was part of that Sunday night dinner club that made me check out Unitarian Universalism. We were talking about our own spiritual journeys and our struggles with spirituality. As people who were deeply committed to the rational work of science, many of us struggled with the sometimes irrational work of of spirit, of how we experience the transcendent and marvelous in our world and so we supported one another and one of the ways in which that group supported me was by saying you know you sound an awful like 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 a unitarian universalist you should come to our fellowship sometime and i said to my friend who said this i said you you go to a church on sunday morning he's like well we call it a fellowship we don't use that word church in in our congregation, but yeah, I go every Sunday morning, that's why we start the cooking Sunday afternoons, didn't you know that? And and I said, well, yeah, I guess I figured that you had something to do other than sleeping. And he said, you should come sometime. And I said to him, didn't you just get finished telling me that you're an atheist? And he said, yeah, yeah, and you should come to the fellowship with me sometime. And I said, I said to him, I said, they know that? And he said, "Uh uh-huh. And I said, and they accept you for that? And he said, yeah, indeed. You should come with me sometime. And I did. And 20 years later, I'm a minister. Um, The story is long and complicated in between there. But I never would have been introduced to our faith if it hadn't been for people who knew me well enough to know that I was struggling with something and I needed a community of people who were committed to that struggle together to join me in it small group ministry we have those words now are necessary it's a necessary part of a growing healthy congregation small group ministries are circles within our circle. This is our bigger circle. And we are always challenged to make that bigger circle as wide as possible, as inclusive as possible, as welcoming as possible. We are challenged in our big circle of this fellowship to practice the art of radical hospitality. And we are also challenged to practice the art of real and right relationship. And that art of real and right relationship only happens when people get together in small groups, smaller groups than this big circle of a group. So we need circles of different sizes, circles that overlap with one another. We need the choir circle, which I hope is an ever-expanding and bigger circle Thursday nights 745, if you're interested. We need the choir circle to support one another and the choir is a version of small group ministry. We need the women's groups as small group circles and the single moms group and the Saturday morning mindfulness meditation group and we need other groups as well. We need some groups that come together with common themes and purposes. Some people have asked for an Earth-centered spirituality group around here. At times in our past, there has also been a men's group that I'm sure that there are some people who would have interest in, in reforming if there was um, a significant number of people. We have the humor group that's been meeting for four years and that has changed people's lives. Um, and so there, there, there's room for groups with particular focus. And there's also room for groups that just come together to be groups, that just come together to get to know one another and to support one another. You might pick topics to discuss at each individual meeting. Someone might be struggling with mortality and death or with relationship issues or with parenting or with any number of things. And so you might make that your topic for a week or a month or. Three months, or however long it takes for your group to really deeply share about those things. But we need room for groups that come together to just be groups. There's an insert in your order of service this Sunday that talks about those groups. And if you're interested in joining one or starting one, I hope you'll fill it out and return it to me. The thief, in the monastery needed a community of students in order to learn to be a better person. The fellow students in the monastery needed to have a relationship with the thief in order to learn to be better people themselves, in order to understand their own rush to judgment and exclusion. And like that thief and those students, we need one another. We need one another in order to grow, to thrive. We need one another to practice our faith in the fullness of its promise. We need in our lives to make the time and the room for real and right relationship with one another. And so we pledge to one another to make those opportunities happen here. Circles within our circle with no beginning and never ending blessed be in a moment we will share our offering together in this community half of the offering that we collect on sunday mornings stays here to support the many ministries of this fellowship and the other half goes outside of our walls to support people and organizations and groups doing good work in this community who need our support and solidarity. In September and October, we are sharing our plate with the Mount Kisco Interfaith Food Pantry to help feed those in our community who do not have enough to eat, and so your generosity is greatly appreciated.